You alright? How's it going? If you can hear a little bit of tomfoolery in the background, don't worry, it's just my neighbours having a conversation loud enough for the street to hear. Because why wouldn't we want to hear them bollocking the dog or having a domestic? This did start, by the way, at nine o'clock on a Sunday morning. No problem, although I'm alright. <laughs> Aeroplane as well. Let it not be said that I have bad timing, okay? <laughs> but given the fact that people are finally starting to obviously be moving out and about with lockdown being lifted, there's been a bit more of an emphasis on the effect that lockdown and periods of isolation have had on people's mental health and well-being and that's kind of something that in turn has also led a lot of people to be posting more about mental health which always comes with its pitfalls so today I'm going to be talking about toxic well-being bullshit well-being quotas I suppose it's quite funny in that, um, as I've mentioned before, I've had anxiety since I started high school, only really acknowledged it as anxiety once I'd left high school, and it still finds ways to surprise me even now in the way that it manifests and just generally adapts to situations, but one thing that hasn't changed is the unsolicited advice that comes with openly talking about mental health. And I'd like to make the distinction now that I'm not saying people who offer well-meaning advice should be flogged in the street, you know? I think that it's a natural human thing that when somebody tells you something you might view as more a problem that needs to be solved, you therefore give advice that you see as steps to resolving the problem. However, when it comes to things like mental health, it's much like other things people feel they need to comment on. You know, weight, skin, and just lifestyle choices as well. It's that for whatever reason, people are under the impression that they can suggest things as though it's like, this person's a complete dumbass. And, <laughs> you know... That, oh, fucking, the amount of people who've said things to me like, you know, exercise is just so great for depression, right? And speaking realistically, depression is one of those things where routine, such as exercise, can alleviate some of your symptoms. You know, a lot of people get a swift dopamine rush from going to the gym. Personally, even before coronavirus, it just made me very aware of the fact that I hate people. But the point is, it's presented as kind of like this be-all, end-all, one-size-fits-all solution. And yeah, 
Um, if doing a deadlift cured depression, then the world would be a lot easier. And it's much the same with anxiety. People don't mean to, but the first thing out of the mouth is, don't worry, there's nothing to worry about. Fucking cured. What a time to be alive. Jesus. Good on Susan. She's just told me not to worry. Anxiety has ceased to exist. I don't know why she hasn't got some form of award for her contributions towards the mental health crisis. My point here is that well-being has become an industry, right? Like most things that were kind of on the fringes of societal conversation, the closer it got to people talking about it more readily and openly, the more likely it was that people would start profiting off it. And whether it's personal coaches or well-being gurus, you know, the self-help books are everywhere, the well-being books are everywhere. And I'm not saying people don't benefit from them, but I'm saying as with any topic that kind of becomes weighed down by capitalism, not to be a Karl Marx about it, tends to become imbued with this concept that mental health can be cured because if you're paying to see me speak at an event or to read my book, my ebook, watch a webinar, then the intention is clear that after doing so you will feel better and if not better then you will feel cured and this is where my problem lies is that it's almost like this running joke, you know, the inspirational Instagram quotes about well-being and whatever, and naturally I'm just one of those people who has a general aversion to toxic positivity, like nothing winds me up more than when I'm in a bad mood and people start trying to tell me, well, it could be worse, of course it could be fucking worse, what a stupid thing to say, (laughs) you know, you should never tell someone not to feel the way that they feel, you should guide them through the way that they're feeling. It should not be a case of, oh this person is anxious, don't be anxious, right? Well obviously that isn't going to work so shall we go to plan B? You know, there are so many buzzwords and concepts around well-being, you know, exercise more, switch your diet, get X amount of daylight and sunlight in a day and the thing is we've commercialised well-being so much that we've forgotten that not only does mental health manifest differently for everyone but there's this concept that it needs to be these big wild monumental steps in order to make sufficient and fundamental change. Right, speaking as somebody who would put themselves more on the anxious spectrum, I've experienced periods of depression in my life and I know for a fact that the last thing I even wanted to do was get out of bed. Right, and you expecting someone to hop out, get changed, go to the gym, exercise, come back, have a long shower and eat, seems worlds away from the mind of somebody who's severely depressed. And I think that because there's just so much out there, we expect too much in too short a period of time. Different things will work for different people. I'm far too cynical and, quite frankly, too much of a dick to read a quote and be like, God, that just resonates with me. It's time to make 
fundamental change. Or someone else might read it and it will mean a lot to them to know that someone else is going through what they're going through and they'll view it in that way rather than me looking at it and thinking this is just an elevated version of live, laugh, love. <laughs> and it's it's hard because because the discussion is becoming more mainstream, it's this double-edged blade because it's great that people are talking about well-being more but it also means that it's being kind of hijacked by voices that don't necessarily have the best intentions. Now you don't have to be an expert to talk about your mental health, not at all and I think it's the reason a lot of people avoid discussions around anything is because we feel like we need to be an expert in order to have an opinion. Look at our prime minister, you obviously don't. (laughs) It's not that you have to be an expert to speak about your mental health, but then people are being given platforms to speak to very impressionable and vulnerable people when they aren't aware of the impact of their words. And I've watched a lot of these people on YouTube and just on social media talking about very sensitive topics in a fashion that makes me quite uncomfortable. And that's not because I am a hashtag snowflake. It's because when it comes to topics such as suicide, depression and anxiety, depression and anxiety are spoken about a lot more in society now in the past few years. And yet still, people are giving out advice without really considering what it means to give that advice out. Now, I'm not saying you have to be um, qualified to high heaven to say these things but if you look at a lot of these life coaches and keynote speakers when it comes to mental health and well-being it's not just them talking about the personal experiences in which case of course the only thing you need is your personal experience it's them giving advice under the guise of well guess who can cure you no stop telling stop telling people Oh, the first step to get in your well-being in order is to make your bed and then you've done one thing in the day. I'm not saying that can't count, but um, people are paying an excessive amount of money to hear these people speak. And in my own opinion, you know, which no one asked for, but I'm going to give anyway, I think that it should always come from a place of what works for me might not work for you and that's why mental health will always be an ongoing conversation it's why mental health needs proper investment because even the most actualized individual who is very much aware of what triggers their mental health will have lapses later down the line And I think that when you present mental health as something to be cured, it just instills more panic and dread in people because they might follow your 10-step guide or your TED talk and then feel better, but then if they relapse, they're suddenly wondering what it is that prevented them from being cured when you've been cured. I think that we're all in a process of recovery continually because things happen, things change immediately 
and rarely will you be able to predict your mental state before it either goes flying up or crashing down. And that's why you need actual steps and reactions in place that make sense for you rather than going and washing down an avocado smoothie or a cup of green tea and thinking it will solve your life problems. Like, self-care is another one that's become weirdly linked to the kind of well-being profiteering. It's like this concept of buy my face mask essential oils. Now, no one wants to join your MLM and take your essential oils because it cures independent women of depression, Susan, okay? Cut the shit, right? I can't tell you the amount of times I've sat in my room with a face mask on and a lavender candle going, hoping that for whatever reason my shit will be on lock by the time that the candle goes out. And I can tell you, very rarely does anything go the way I want it to, even after doing that, right? Self-care shouldn't be viewed as a chore or a preemptive reaction to what you assume will be a mental health crisis. Self-care should just be something that you implement because we need it, because you deserve it. No, no, there's nothing about deserve that fits into this conversation. Self-care should just be a part of your life. It shouldn't be a case of, oh, you know going to be a big week ahead. Let's drink green tea even though nobody really likes the taste of plain green tea. Put on a face mask and have a bubble bath. Well, these should just be things that you enjoy. They shouldn't be linked to kind of trying to minimise your mental health status. You know, like, (laughs) honestly, I absolutely love going into um, book stores and looking at the self-help and well-being sections because every book I pick up I'm like fuck's sake like Jesus I could write a better book than this and yet these people are making sizable bank off of advice that you could pull from Wikipedia you know clear your space because it clears your mind right well you know When I was 12 my room was a tip and I was anxious and I'm 21 and my room's pretty tidy and I'm still anxious so clear space, clear mind don't really work does it because my mind isn't ever going to be clear, it's a cluttered mess of existential dread and that's fine because that's who I am as a person and I've accepted that and I also accept that there are multiple steps I can take that I know might minimise the way that I feel or my maximize it you know but this is the thing is that we should encourage self-discovery and what works for one person shouldn't work for another because our circumstances are different and circumstances linked to the way that we feel so bullshit self-help guides and well-being guides are just never gonna work are they Plus, I feel like the word toxic is everywhere now. You know, everywhere I look, it's it's like, cut out toxic friends, toxic this, toxic that. I'm like, yeah, it's it's a pretty all-encompassing word. It's quite convenient, but I, I think we need to tone it down a little. I think we've all been reading a little bit too much about it, personally. Now, I'm not saying cutting out somebody who's doing your editing isn't a fantastic idea, and I would encourage it more. 
but if I could give um, one piece of advice I think is absolutely universal outside of the bullshit well-being quota, it's never underestimate the power of saying no. And I think that when people are struggling with mental health across the spectrum, the reason that well-being quotas and the concept of well-being strategies that are the be-all and end-all is that we feel personally responsible for how everyone around us perceives us and how we're feeling in a moment even with external factors. When you say no, don't underestimate just how great and fucking fantastic that feels because as somebody who used to always feel nervous before going out when I was younger, I used to come up with these ridiculous excuses or I'd force myself to go through with these situations where I didn't feel comfortable because all everyone ever told me was that it was something that I'd grow out of. Although, you know, it'd get better with age and not only am I here now testament to the fact that that is not the case because sometimes I'm better and sometimes I'm worse, but also just saying, no, I don't really want to go out now. I'm not saying you have to be an asshole about it, but it's even just someone saying, oh, are you feeling better today? No, I'm not. You don't owe anyone a standard for your own mental health and you don't owe anyone the word yes you are allowed to feel the way that you feel and not feel the need to suddenly rush off to go do 50 squats to feel like you've sufficiently addressed your mental health for the day. You'll know what works for you and as the years go on different things will work differently and things might change. What worked for you at one point in your life might not work for you later on. But that's why you don't believe Barry Bullshitter in his TED talk or his Facebook live because Barry is making money off of it, which means he's not only disingenuous in most cases, but also not fucking qualified to talk about it. And now that my dad's decided to head out to have a phone call in the garden, all I'm gonna say is just take what you read online with a pinch of cynical salt and if you know that what you're doing works for you don't listen to somebody telling you that it's not um you know uplifting enough because um you know manic depression tends not to be uplifting so have a good one <laughs>